The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Cole Hammock. And John Sestina, I'll say Happy New Year to you guys since my first show of the year. Happy, yes, happy yeah. New Year. Yeah, Same. It's nice, it's to, nice be to be here, right? It's yep. the start of the new year. We had some good shows, the end of the year, the beginning of the year, talk about goal setting. Today, we're going to talk about tax planning. Everybody's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Now, you just spoiled a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) It started out so positive. Yes. Taxes. The tax man coming. But we're going to hopefully give you some tools and ideas on how to plan your taxes for 2022. And how to plan your taxes within your financial plan is probably more important. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, But before uh, we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about some current events Uh, This past week uh, on the show in prior uh, episodes, we've talked a lot about student loan crisis. Student loans are a huge burden on this country. Sure. And this past week, uh, it was announced. um, I got an article through Reuters. Andrew Kelly reported that Navient, which was once one of the largest student loan providers, uh, reached a settlement at $1.85 billion. With 39 states to settle claims on predatory lending. Wow. It's a pretty big deal. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And that's something <laughs> that we, we feel as financial planners that a lot of the people just mismanage student loans. And really, they get into the student loan environment not knowing what they're dealing with uh, from the consumer end. Got it. Right. And, and that's what the, the, the courts are going after. The, a lot of the states, there were 39 states that got involved in this and said, no, no, you can't do this. Right. Um, and it's a big deal. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the push was what them pressuring them to take higher rate private loans. Is that really the, the, correct? The and and the, the, there's different types of repayment plans, mm-hmm. and they were pressure. They they felt there was pressure to take the one that was more favorable towards the, not towards the consumer, rather the company. Got it. Right. Um, yeah. I think I saw something about forbearance. So essentially, where maybe it's six months where you don't make any student loan payments, but that interest keeps accumulating. So by the time you eventually do start making your payments, you may as well just be paying interest. You're not really getting that principal down. Yeah. Well, the real yeah the real adjustment is when they started loans. It was much like when they started checkbooks. You know, what? you were writing it on paper. <clears throat> you were writing a check on paper, so you weren't really spending money. And then they came out with credit cards. You keep saying this uh, checkbook. I don't. You know, I know you millennials. <laughs> <laughs> It's on your computer if you look for it. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so then they came out with credit cards, and people began to use those, and right, they weren't yeah. real, so it didn't feel like they were spending anything. And they kind of did the same thing with these loans. You know, go to school, just borrow the money, and it wasn't real. And then these other little gimmicks they were using took advantage of these people, and so thank God they're straightening it out. But to your point, John, right, the consumer uh, debt wasn't really a problem aside from maybe mortgage 
consumer debt outside of the mortgage became an issue in what the 70s and the 80s right when the credit card was created yep. and now student loans right the oh, student yeah. loans the federal government took over in 2010 so in 2009 the student loan debt amount was 150 approximately 155 billion okay in 2009 we're at 1.5 trillion wow those are two very different numbers two very different numbers right so it's escalated uh, you know, even we've talked on this show that when, when are the schools, the universities and colleges going to be held their, their feet to the fire, put their feet to the fire and say, whoa, whoa, let's slow this down a little. Are we here to teach and educate or are we here to provide a, <laughs> a five-star accommodation? Right. Yeah. And there's been some interesting uh, suggestions about this, that universities ought to basically co-sign on the loans mm -hmm. with a student uh, because that's their increasing fees that are causing a major problem. Right. And and they're the, they're the ones saying, come here, we'll get you a, a yep. good education for your future career. And right. you get a degree in uh, flowers and weeds, and you know <laughs> right. you don't make what you paid <laughs> for right. the tuition. Right, and and I've heard some, some, I thought one really good idea should be your tuition should be based on your major. Mm -hmm. So if you do okay. want to go into sure. whatever joke you want to implement, yeah, something, there, you're, flower passionate gardening, right, something sure. you're passionate about, so your career earnings might not be as high as somebody in engineering, so mm -hmm. maybe the tuition should have a direct correlation there. Wow, that's a good that idea. sounds like you know individual more being more individualistic. Yeah, right. Thinking about the individual instead of the whole. That's good. Yeah, Gee, not like bad. That. Not I bad. I think our founders kind of had that thought yeah, process. Yeah, sure did. Right. Mm. So so again, student loan debt is is obviously on the uh, uh, under the microscope, and that was I guess a good thing uh, because there's I guess what was the number called? Did you see in the article how? Many people were affected by it. Sixty. Yeah, I think it's sixty-six thousand. Six, yeah, yeah. sixty-six thousand borrowers. So that that could be a good thing. So more to be um, out there in the future months. Also, some current events. What we're seeing here now is, to no surprise, we're seeing mortgage rates increase. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, right. Coming. Interest rates are going up, John. Oh no. That's a good thing, right? No, I didn't sell my house yet. Okay. <laughs> there you go. You're not just going to rent on the other side of it, John? Never. Pay for someone else's mortgage? No, I'm going to live in a hotel. That's the cheapest place okay, to yeah. live. Right. So read my book, Cole. It's a it's a good book. It is a good it's book. A very good book. It's, we actually should have a radio show after it. You know, it'd be good. Right. It'd be a good idea. Managing to be wealthy radio show. <laughs> so so mortgage rates this week have go, inched up to three point four five percent, and people say, okay, what what does that mean? That's the highest level since March of twenty twenty. That's when the pandemic sort of started to rear its ugly head from a economic standpoint, shutdown of the country. Uh, last week, it was at 3.22%. Mm -hmm. So okay. I think this is a good thing we're starting to see. But proceed with caution. This is where we said, you know, people are making really uh, uh, knee-jerk reaction decisions to what the housing market is doing and trying to get into a house they may not necessarily That's afford. Truth. Right. That's right? one of the most emotional decisions anybody can make. Right. Yeah. So and as these it. rates go up, what does that mean? That means if you EA, you have to refinance. You're going to re refinance at a higher rate. Or as you said, John, if you had to sell a house, or you're going to buy another house, that right. might impact your future mortgage payment. <laughs> so this is going to have a big impact on everyone's financial plan. So, you know, plan your work, work your plan. But you know, when you buy a house, it's a it should be considered a long term yes. commitment. Absolutely. I was shocked to hear that people average seven living locations in their lifetime, um, um, seven houses. I don't know if that means seven mortgage houses, but seven houses is a lot. That sounds stressful. Um, 
Well, I can still move three times. There you go. <laughs> they do that. But I think a ten-year window, right? When you when you buy a house, yeah. it should be a ten-year window. Just on the, you know, the fees that comes with a realtor, right? That alone, just to recoup that on right. the sale side, Absolutely. and then closing costs, closing costs, Absolutely. and everything. So, uh, when you go to buy a house, we've had many episodes on this. When you go to buy a house, plan for the long term. Yep. Right. And if you're going somewhere short term, rent. As you said, John, that's the cheapest. Cheapest, yeah, form, is. cheapest form of uh, payment, regardless of what you think the rent, if it's expensive. If it's too expensive, you're probably looking at a prime location. Mm-hmm. Okay, so rent within your means as well. Um, last topic before a break here. Uh, another uh, interesting article was through Newsweek. Uh, Newsweek, it was an opinion article, said, we are sleepwalking towards a retirement crisis. It's a strong uh, lead-in. It, it is a strong lead-in, and, and Joe Hipsky of, of Newsweek put this article together. And basically, it's, it's um, something we've talked about over and over again about um, people not preparing for retirement yeah. and social, social Security becoming a uh, means of income versus, and the only form of income versus a supplement of income. And this is a very, very slippery slope. Yeah, I think that the big theme of this, the whole article, was just lack of awareness. That's the whole sleepwalking aspect, right? Everybody's getting closer and closer to retirement, especially in the baby boomer generation, if they haven't already. And there's just a lot of people not prepared, or they don't know how to prepare. That's exactly it. So for the readers out there, check out Newsweek.com. We are sleepwalking towards a retirement crisis. It's an opinion article by Joe Hipsky. And when we come back, we're going to talk about tax planning for 2022. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're talking 2022 tax planning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Much like a financial plan, a financial plan is centered around forward thinking. And when it comes to tax planning, we want our people who are following the managing to be wealthy concept or process to forward think with their taxes. A lot of people are still thinking 2021 taxes. That's done. That ship has sailed, right? And so maybe you can finalize your IRA contribution or whatever, but... You try. To, you have to try to create a forward-thinking mindset when it comes to tax planning. John, why is that so critical to a financial plan? Well, because in a financial plan, you get to uh, review what you've done or haven't done and how to fix it, make it better, as opposed to just setting a goal and saying, I'm going to retire someday. The whole point of the financial plan is planning. And so if you look at the – if you start with your tax return and you know, learn how to read it, and I suggest everyone look at their 1040 or whatever they have and get used to the forms because that'll introduce you to lots of questions. Of course, now there are so many tax programs that you can buy for you millennials, Cole. Thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I appreciate that, yeah. And every time you hit a, a blank spot, they give you questions and ideas what, you get what that should pop go up in there. Like, hey, so what's what, what's going on here? Question it says, mark. Uh, you know, check with Cole. That's what it says. Yeah, and they get, put my phone number in there. Yep, and that's what they do. So. <laughs> what what that is all doing, hopefully, is making you more interactive. And that's what you need to be so you can anticipate what changes you should make or what, what items in your life you should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's super important with a financial plan to be deliberate, right? Yes. So you want to make decisions along the way, 
plan accordingly instead of just always being on the back step, always being reactive. Yep. So you can't be reactionary. Absolutely. You have right. to be forward thinking. And, and, and even when it comes to taxes, right, I, to your point about the tax return, step one is learning the tax return and a lot of people cringe when they see that document and i'll never forget 20 years ago i didn't know a, a thing about taxes you handed me a tax return and said here read this <laughs> and i go okay what do i do <laughs> and he said you said read line number and if you don't know what it means look it up yeah and that's literally it you look at every line number if there's a number there when it pertains to your own tax return find out where that number originated yep and that will help clear the clouds behind where do these numbers come from? Well, how does it impact my taxes? And it's a really good good way to go out learning the tax return. And in some cases, people are gonna hate me for this. If there's a blank, you should probably understand why that's blank too. Good point. Because there's been a lot of cases where just something hadn't been filed that was supposed to be filed. Maybe you're misreporting income or not showing losses that you should be showing or not getting the credit you should be. Yeah, over so the always years, pay attention. Uh, and, over the years, we've seen lots of people who have ignored things. Oh yeah. I, I still think of one case where the uh, uh, person owned a yacht Ooh. And they had like a, a, a boat. No, it wasn't a boat. They said it was a yacht, and it had a kitchen and all that other stuff in it. And uh, I'm looking at his tax return, and I said, "Where's the mortgage for the yacht?" He says, well, "Why do I need that?" He didn't understand, and his accountant what didn't know. They didn't tell the accountant, and so they were missing huge deductions at the time on the mortgage on the yacht. Right. So if it's blank, you need mm -hmm. to know that it shouldn't be blank, or what should be blank. And, and that, to your point, Cole, about uh, compare year over year. Oh, yeah. Right? So when Absolutely. your 2021 tax return is completed, compare it versus 2020. Are there numbers in each of the identical uh, categories or boxes? Great point. Right? Sure. So you can compare year over year. And then if there is a new number or a number that's now no longer in existence, mm -hmm. find out why. Right? So, so understanding the tax form really begins with your situation and reading it and start with start with your information uh when it comes to tax planning uh john the the people building a financial plan they have to understand that attack the tax planning concept or tax code is a fluid situation right the the first thing that i've observed over the years is most people think if it's not in the tax code they cannot do it and that's not true you only have to worry about what's in the tax code not what isn't Mm -hmm. And so you help to uh, become deliberate about your planning. So you do have to understand from your point of view, from your lifestyle, what's in the tax code and what you can do or not do about it. You know, your income, your 401k, your IRAs, all that other good stuff, 529s, mm -hmm. everything you think of, you need to be aware of those things. Mm -hmm. and, and when it comes to... Uh it's continuous too. It's not. It's not a stop-start no, scenario. No it's stop gonna, you, you're going to deal with John. You how many years? You're on your 80th year, so you've been dealing with uh, taxes a, a while now. You know what? What? They still audit me. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the naughty list. <laughs> so you're getting the uh, witness protection. I'm going to need something. <laughs> so, so if I use the term tax planning, what comes to mind? What? How? What, what words would you use for tax planning? What words come yeah. to mind? Yeah. Well, it's probably uh, the one thing most people know very little about, pay little attention to, but the most important part of your financial plan. Because we know from planning, a good planner can help you make more money through tax planning than they can through investing. I know the market's been roaring in the last few years, but still, this uh, if you manage the tax planning, 
you can end up with more money. Yeah, it's 100%. I just had a situation arise where going through that, explaining how the tax code work, and by doing a couple adjustments, I said, you're going to pay $10,000 less in taxes. Right. That feels good. How's that sound? Right? That's Sign me up. Right? Yeah. Sign me up for that because that's money you're keeping. Right? If the <laughs> IRS doesn't get it, it stays in your pocket. Yeah. Right? So so that's the, the benefits of, the, of having a good tax plan is keeping more. Yes. Right? Keeping more in your pocket. Yeah. Um, so where do we start? Right? We talked about analyzing the tax return. I think data management, right? To your point about the mortgage interest on a yacht. Yeah. Uh, the accountants or CPA, if you use a CPA or even TurboTax, it's garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. You don't. I don't blame the accountants no. when they miss because no. they don't know. If they right. don't know, right. they don't think to ask the question. Right, they yeah. may not ask the question. So data management and organization, which is step one to financial planning, is get everything organized. Yeah. Having a good organized system will help the CPA or even yourself do your own taxes. What accounts do you have? Is there a 1099? What is a tax form applied to it? That way you can provide that information to your accountant or CPA. Or well, even review the statements. You know, if you get, say, an American Express statement, that month you should re evaluate it, mark it up. You know, this was for my business, this was for charity, whatever the case may be. You don't wait till, you know, put it in a drawer and hope to read it before you file your tax returns. Or worse yet, just dump it on your accountant. Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to be prepared answering all those things. Again, that sensitizes you to what you can do to help reduce your taxes. Absolutely. So always be aware of what you have. Um, but Stephen, to your point, I've uh, in part tongue in cheek, but I mean, I have told clients for us financial planners, basically everything that has a number on it, we probably want to see it. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, the same ideas for the accountant. If you give them something they don't want, they'll, they'll let you know. Right. But it's better to give them too much information than not enough. That's exactly it, right? And even organize it. Uh, uh, put things in a folder, right? If you're still a paper person or if you're a digital person, we have all these wonderful tools, whether it's a phone or whether it's a computer. And you can put these these files, the PDFs, into a folder titled 2022 tax data. Yeah. So if you make your charitable contribution here in January or February, slide that document right into your 2022 tax planning folder. And then next year, you'll know it exists. Oh, I forgot about that. But Absolutely. there it is, right? So organization is a critical piece. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, charitable contributions and so forth. Um, you know, obviously, the foundation to tax planning Ideally, the goal is to reduce taxable income and increase deductions. Sure. Right. So that's yeah. so Go start thinking corner. about that. And that's when we talk about on the show adding uh, to 401k plans and whatnot. So when we come back from the break here, we're going to we're going to continue our discussion with tax planning in 2022 and how to make it work within your financial plan. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. <laughs> Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Cole Hammock, and John Sestina. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about John E. Sestina and company and the Managing to be Wealthy process, you can look us up on the internet, on the web at managingtobewealthy.com, or give us a call at our Bethel Road office, 614-326-3077. We could offer a complimentary initial uh, consultation just to see what your situation is all about. But we'd love to meet with you and talk to you about your financial plan. Uh, today's show, we're talking tax planning. 
But before we go to that, John, I did my living expense numbers for last year. Oh, good. So, well, football I learned, was going in the background? And I learned a lesson. There was college football yeah, in the background. Yeah. yeah. I learned a lesson. You learned a lesson? Yeah. There was I, college I, football I, in the well, background? No, 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 no. I found an error Uh-oh. in oh. my living expenses. So I was going through the numbers, and I found a number I didn't recognize, to your point about reviewing statements. Yes. And I said, what the heck is going on here? Where does this number drive from? It was, it was a, a withdrawal from my account, an automatic withdrawal. Sure. So I, it started in March. And I'm like, okay, why? what the heck's going on? So I kept digging and finding. So it yeah. turns out I canceled a, an automatic withdrawal, a subscription, in December. And they said, no problem. And it didn't show up in January. didn't show up in February. <laughs> but in March, it reappeared. <laughs> and I had That's all the cancellation, you. and they yep. just automatically started drawing money from my account. Unbelievable. So I got in touch with them, and it was a $400 credit back to me. Good on but, you. But again, yeah. I mean, I should have, naughty me, I should have noticed it right away, but part of the reviewing process helped, fi- helped me find, you know, an error. Yeah. That would have kept going. And that's really a key point, because financial planning means you are involved and yeah. involved uh, on time. You don't you don't hope and you know well i gave them instructions they'll follow the instructions don't count on that ever right so you have to do what you said you have to check it right and so review your automatic withdrawals right so review yep. those and make sure you understand them so i, I was just intrigued by it because i was like wow that's amazing and they they recognize the error they apologize and right away because i had all the documentation yep. for it but but nonetheless if i wouldn't have discovered it it would have been just kept coming out of my account so how much interest did they pay you that's a good point right (laughs) (laughs) not half a percent s p 500 up 20 percent last year this is a seinfeld episode (laughs) so it's a good lesson as to you know reviewing your living expense worksheet and so forth and uh reviewing your accounts so it pays to be engaged right right exactly it so you're already married uh, yeah, yeah. My wife won't let me do that again. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, moving along to tax planning. Tax planning 2022. John, you have always had a great saying when it comes to taxes. Oh, yeah. It's not how much you make. It's how much you keep. Right. And that's what it's about at the end of the day. So it is. The IRS, uh, what's, your, what's your words of uh, to exclude when talking about the IRS? Oh, my goodness. When you're, <laughs> you're financial on recording. Planning, right? <laughs> you have to eliminate the words like reasonable, fair. Uh, logical rational. and rational. Yep. Those are the four dirty words. Yeah, they are. And and but again, the the tax code is written for us to follow. Sure. Right? It's it's and the, the I love that Tony always says that it's not a loophole. It's the way the law it's, is written. The law. Yeah, yeah, the there law are no loopholes. That's the craziest term you hear. Right. It may not be in the best interest of the taxpayers, but that's not our problem. We didn't write the law. Right. right. Blame the people who wrote the law that are one screaming about the loophole. So yeah. we'll leave it at that. Um, so we talked about reviewing prior year's tax returns. Uh, Cole, you mentioned a topic you wanted to bring up. Are we, are we talking itemized versus standard deductions? Sure, let's talk about it. I, I love it. I get excited about it. it, it so <laughs> for people that are listening, it's, I'm a nerd about it. I'm sorry. Uh, but it makes a difference being aware, right? Yes. Um, so the standard deduction, that's simple. <clears throat> that's the amount that you can reduce your income by based on your filing status. So if you're single, if you're married, filing joint, head of household, each of those will have a different number you can reduce your income by. So you want to make sure you're using the right one so you can get the biggest reduction possible. And with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed and was at effective 2018, it's pretty high now, right? So it's hard to itemize your deductions anymore. 
I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. That was one it of simplifies. the benefits of the, the new tax law is the simplification. Simplification and savings. Most families save 6000 a year. Nice. Good. Yeah. Keep going. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that's the standard deduction, again, the easy one. Then we get into the itemized deductions, which requires a little bit more tracking. And it's made up of three primary pieces. There's a fourth, but the fourth one's a little bit harder to get any deductions from. But the three primaries are your state and local income taxes plus your property taxes. And that section's capped at ten grand. So right now, there's barring any changes to the tax code, that is what it is. A ten thousand dollar deduction. Exactly. Okay. Uh, the next is your mortgage interest deduction. So obviously, you need to own a house. You need to have a mortgage to get any deduction there. And the third primary one are your is your charitable giving for the year. So the, the fourth one is medical expenses, but that requires you to have expenses in excess of seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income. And for most of our listeners, I hope we we are healthy. And we never see a dime of deduction in that section. Amen. Right. right? But, th- but those three major ones, right? So if mm-hmm. you're married, filing a joint tax return, the standard deduction for 2022 is $25,900. So, Sizable. Right? So you add, add together your property taxes, mortgage mm-hmm. interest, and your charitable contributions. If they don't add up, and medical expenses, but right. if they don't add up to $25,900, you're, you're taking the standard deduction. Right. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. It so is okay. Say you, you paid off your, your mortgage a long time ago. You're not making any payments to the bank. That's all right. You don't have that flexibility in your taxes, but we'll keep things simple. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> yeah. The other the other topic I, I think people often are – they misunderstand is the marginal tax rate. Ooh, that's a oh, good yeah, one. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> want, we, we both right? react the same way. <laughs> and I think people don't understand what, what that means, but by marginal tax rate means – a certain portion of your income is taxed at a different rate. Yeah. So the, progressive. It's progressive. Yeah. Um, so the first portion of your uh, ta- of your income is taxed at 10%. Mm-hmm. Then a next portion of your income is taxed at 12%. Not bad. Then it goes to 22%. Pretty Ooh, big start, jump. Starting, yep, big jump. Then it goes to 24%. Mild, subtle. Right. After 24%, it jumps to 32%. That hurts a little bit more. Right? And that's when, as your income grows, because... That's where it goes. The more money you make, the higher the next dollar you earn could be taxed, right? So the higher rate you could be taxed at. So it jumps from 24 to 32%, then 35%, then 37% is the top marginal rate. So that's a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody who who lives in an expensive area, who has a high income, 37% of that last dollar or the next dollar they earn goes to the government. Right. It's, and that's before factoring in state taxes. So if we're thinking our higher income tax states or California's or New York, oh, we're pushing almost every bit of 50 percent, 45, 50 percent. Yeah. And and, and th- these are the rates that are often negotiated in Congress. Right. That yep. what was on the table there. There was talking of what what dollar amounts are taxed at 32 percent, what dollar amounts are going to be taxed at 35 percent. I think this proposal had as high as thirty nine and a half percent as yep. the top marginal rate. And then some other taxations along the way, such as capital gains and a um, Medicare tax. The Medicare tax, an extra 2.8%. So it can get pretty heavy. And then you add in your state and local taxes. And next thing you know, that next dollar you earn could lose 50 cents to the dollar due to taxation. But, and this is important, we brought it up a little while back on the show. That's not to say you shouldn't earn more income. Right. <laughs> it, it's a very popular thought where if you earn more money, you're just going to lose it all in taxes. But it goes to the goal of reducing that taxable income through 
Right. Uh, Maximizing the 401k, right? Tax planning and HSA contributions. All those things we're telling people to participate in to reduce that taxation. Absolutely. And that's that's the the recipe for success. Um, And there's even local taxes as well, city taxes. So there's a lot of different taxes. And that's why I think people get uh, disgruntled when it comes to tax law. Well, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll do a final segment, maybe talk about some statements and tax forms you may receive in the mail. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're talking about tax planning for 2022. Uh, last segment, we, we were talking a little bit about the marginal tax rates. Uh, John, you wanted to add to that comment. I do. That's probably one of the most confusing aspects of the tax situation. It is. When people take the CFP exam, for example, a lot of them don't get the answer right when you're supposed to calculate the uh, tax rate or yeah. how does the marginal rate work. So it's no wonder that the consumer doesn't understand it. So you gave... Uh, Bob, a good example answer when you were talking earlier. So explain it again, so the rest of the folks can get it. Yeah. So, so the 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 total tax that pay is paid. Uh, you may look at your pay stub on withholdings and what percentage is being withheld. That's just basically to accumulate how much taxes have been forwarded to either the local government, state government, or federal government on mm-hmm. your behalf, and the tax return will sort of settle up. And say, okay, based on all of this information you've entered, your deductions, your income, multiple income, maybe joint income, and so forth, and then it's settled up at the end of the year. So a portion of your income is taxed at 10%, not all of it. A portion of your income will be taxed at 12%. But when you're getting taxes withheld from your pay stub, it'll be more based on a uh, estimated tax rate. So they may say, we'll take out 15% as an average. And that is really what is called your effective tax rate. So your effective tax rate at the end of the year is your total taxes paid divided by your income. So that'll get you in. And actually, when, when we were going through this last tax law change, a lot of people said, oh, it's a, it's a tax break for the wealthy. And I put the pen to paper their effective tax rate was identical mm-hmm. because they had limitations to the state and local income tax deduction, right? Mm-hmm. right? So they were paying more taxes there. So uh, I, I never agreed with that, that tax break was for the wealthy. It was a simplification of the tax code. But I think the wealthy people, the high earners, paid the same effective tax rate. It was equal collections on the tax law. So, so that being so, said. So that means – so you made your 10000 and your tax bracket is what at that level? 10%. 10%. So if you made only 10000 then we got $1,000, right? Well, we'll make it a little bit more difficult. Then you get your standard deduction, so it's zero. So the standard deduction oh, okay. will eliminate so that income. So you're doing the whole thing. I'm trying to get to the marginal only. Oh, okay. okay. So and taxable income. We do 10000 of taxable so, income. Tax, so now yep. we go to 15000 So the next five is taxed at a different rate. Not the 10 plus five. It's the next five. It goes at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's confusing because people don't realize that. And that's what Stephen's saying. But they're collecting it from your payroll. They're just taking the 10. How much on that? You're going to get five. So they estimate what your pay is going to be for the year. And they just put it in the computer and it calculates the averages, which is the effective rate. You know, you're in a, you're making an 
like you do, Bob, about $25 million a day. And so they're charging you <laughs> seven, for his yacht. Yeah, for his yacht. Seven hundred percent interest or whatever. It is. We appreciate you floating the economy. Yeah, though. that's right. Thank you very much. So uh, it, recognize that it's layers, okay? Yep. And then they're going to tax each layer, each slice, at a different rate. And then they add them all up. And so depending on what the total number is and the, how many slices slices you have, that's how they're going to come up with your total taxes, and then that could be the effective rate on your total income. God, does that do it? Yeah, I think it does. And now we understand why people hate taxes. Uh, That's the truth. When all said and done, if you find regularly you're either paying too much, so you get a large refund at the end of the year, or you're not paying enough and you have to write a check to the government. Either one, boo hiss. Exactly. We want to get that as close to zero as possible. So in that scenario, ask for your W-4 from the employer. Adjust your withholdings. Maybe you need to add or remove exemptions or just adjust how much you actually withhold, but you want to get as close to zero as possible there. Most people are aggressive taxpayers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are are among the people who get refunds. I mean, why would you let the government hold your money? Right. Don't look at a refund as a bonus check. It's not a bonus check. That just means you've given our friends in in Congress or government uh, more money than you should have. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what about all the, the, the alphabet and numerical soup uh, tax forms that come in the mail at this well, time of year? How do we go about that? How do we go about that? How does one manage that W-2, 1099, the 5498, uh, what else? The W-2G, the K-1. K-1s, 1099s. Yeah. Yep. Get them all. Why do we do that? So pull them, pull, separate them. Right. Yep. And then look where they apply. You'll If you go through the, li- the lines – as you suggested earlier, they're going to come to the place that says 1099 income. Mm-hmm. And you'll know that's where you gather those together and you add it up. And then Bob will have to buy another yacht. Right. <laughs> and that, the other, so, so again, so whatever form you get, document what account it, it applies to. And I think even in today's environment, as the uh, trading, right? Trading is always oh, yes. popular. We'll call it day trading, whatever yep. we want to call it, the investment accounts. Don't forget about the capital gains and losses. Along right, the way, right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a huge factor in it. So if you were, you know, making millions in, in your cryptocurrency this year, Cole, you're gonna have to settle up. Uh, I was on GameStop. Okay, there you go. Right, right. to the moon. Right. So <laughs> so so you have to be aware of what capital gains and losses you had for the prior tax year, and that's gonna be reconciled on your tax return as well. Yeah, I'm um, very I'm very concerned about all these you're seeing all these advertisements uh by our trading program. All the brokerage houses, or yeah. we got our special trade. So people are going to run around and start trading stocks like they know what they're doing. And yeah, we know so better burned. than that. So they're going to get burned. And worse than that, they're not getting, they don't know what all these little receipts are going to be, you know, mm-hmm. the from the brokerage house. And they could have a little bit of a tax bill. Right. Yep. So I think the, the big takeaway is there's a reason you got that tax form. Yes. You need to make sure that you account for that in your, your taxes. Right. Yes. right. And understand, again, where the number originated from, why that number exists, so you can apply it yeah. to this year. So, again, 2022, you're going to use 2021's data that's coming through the door now to apply it to 2022 and moving forward. Yeah, so you, you actually make a really good point there, because I'm thinking back in 2021, it might have been earlier in the year, I think a lot of clients were notified that they had been accepted to receive unemployment income. Yeah. Right? Then they had no issues with their employers. They, they weren't uh, uh, applying for, for unemployment, but they, they received a letter in the mail saying they were. So make sure that if anything comes back to you, you, you file some sort of report, make sure you get on top of that. Yeah. 
That's know, good. Know what you have. Right. Really good point. John, what does one uh, have to, to decide using a CPA versus TurboTax? I'll use say TurboTax or pen and paper to yeah, the form. A, a computer program? Yeah. Well, if, if you have the least bit of complexity in your life, so you, we're talking about trading. So if you're a trader and you're buying the uh, Bitcoins or whatever you're doing out there, or you're just trading stocks, you need someone to go to for advice. The purpose of an advisor is not simply to record the information. That's why you have to get the documents to them earlier, as we said here. So you need to get the information to these advisors so they can say, oh, look at this. You can do such and such and reduce your overall income tax impact. So an, a CPA is a marvel. If you're a professional, you should have a CPA. If you have a business, you should have a CPA. And for the most part, most people are trying to do this on their own computers. So. Yeah. And, and as we said, garbage in, garbage out. And that's yep. why, as far as tax planning is concerned, have the data organized and think forward. Yeah, and you brought up a good point in that, John. We didn't even get into it in this meeting. That just shows how complex the tax code is. But for our business owners, right, you get more flexibility being a business owner than anything else, which also means the most can go wrong being a business owner. Yep. So you really want to make sure you're working with the CPA and you're being very diligent in how you're tracking your income and your expenses. It's the best tax planning tool you have. That's, that's absolutely it. right. All right, good. Well, we're, we're wrapping up today's show. Lastly, back up all your data, keep things organized. Yes. Try to be digital about it uh, versus paper and back it up, store it, store it appropriately. And hopefully that'll lead to a future success when it comes to tax planning. Well, thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. Tune in next week. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.